I'm concerned about the water sources in the regenerative fields. And so you can't filter glyphosate out of the rain. So glyphosate's falling on the on those regenerative farms. And some of those farms are being irrigated with municipal water, which may or may not include wastewater. And we know that the wastewater can't be filtered for a lot of things, uh, glyphosate, pharmaceuticals, and that kind of stuff. And so I know it must be prohibitive for those farms to have to filter their water. Uh, and so I'm wondering if the regenerative farming is finding microbes that can de degenerate the glyphosate that is inevitably falling on those plants or, or how are we going to uh, solve the problem of the water that's being used in these regenerative farms? That's an excellent question, Evelyn. And it's the first time I've ever heard it. And I've been to, I've given a thousand lectures and a thousand interviews. Good on you for asking that brilliant question. Um, yes, there's glyphosate in the rain. There's glyphosate in groundwater. Um, there's other chemicals as well. What is interesting is that in the regenerative practices that are out there, they're working. So the amount of antimicrobials in water and in rain is not sufficient to destroy these test plots and these ongoing uh, regenerative farms. Now, uh, in the Healing from GMOs and Roundup series, I interview someone who's a testing expert at uh, glyphosate and it turns out there's most of the testing of, of drinking water uh, was without glyphosate uh, as of three or four years ago um, but and that means that some of the water that's used for agriculture probably um, is also clean but even where it's not the we are getting hearing amazing results from regenerative practices uh, you mentioned increased nutrition. There was a study that came out, I think, this week, where uh, on many farms they tested um, regenerative agriculture practices uh, of the same crops that were being grown on the neighbor's farm. So there was regenerative farms, and they said, give us an acre and plant this particular thing because your neighbor's planting it so we can test it. And sure enough, when it was planted in the regenerative farm, it was far more nutrient dense than the neighbor who was using chemicals. Um, now the neighbors using chemicals, there still could be some chemical access to the, to the farm, but not enough to destroy the microbiome. Now, from a strategic standpoint, as the value of regenerative agriculture grows and people realize you don't need the pesticide uh, buffet, when you have a healthy microbiome. You can stop using GMO uh, seeds. You don't need the Roundup. You don't need necessarily the fertilizers. You don't need uh, the insecticides when you have this healthy ecosystem. So you're, the farmers are making more money. They're using less inputs. They're, the water usage is better. They're now having potentially carbon credits that they can sell because of the drawdown of carbon into their rich soil. Now it provides less 
motivation for farmers to use Roundup, and it provides more financial motivation to limit the amount of Roundup in the atmosphere and in the, in the water if it is, in fact, causing problems in the microbes that are being used for regenerative agriculture. If we found that small amounts of Roundup were inhibiting carbon sequestration, for example, that could be a cost of using Roundup that could be devastating to those that are trying to get the carbon credits. And if there's a sufficient number of them, it can be used to create new law. So I always think in terms of, of bigger picture strategies and the fact, as you say, Evelyn, that regenerative agriculture is being used a lot now, it's really on the upswing. I went to DC uh, and met with offices of nine members of Congress uh, with Elaine Ingham and Tim LaSalle, both experts in regenerative agriculture, sharing with these members or their staffs um, some of these benefits. And we had overwhelming interest there. Now, why was I there? I'm not an expert in regenerative agriculture. But as you saw from the presentation, regenerative agriculture and protecting the microbiome are great allies. So I was there, we did a live stream in the National Press Club, and I was mentioning to Elaine on the, on the live stream, I'm like water skiing behind regenerative agriculture, holding the insurance policy. Because there's going to be billions invested in regenerative agriculture with a big hope of return. But all those billions need an insurance policy of blocking the release of GMO microbes. Thank you for your question. Thanks very much for that, Jeffrey. Um, we've got a little over 10 minutes left before our next, uh, before our panel tonight. And uh, folks, uh, I'm gonna, I have another question for you, Jeffrey, but uh, before we get there, just a reminder to everybody, let's take advantage. We've got Jeffrey here. So if anybody else has more questions, uh, please do come in. In fact, there's Kaylee. So I'll have Kaylee ask her question before I get to mine. Um, what do you know? Hi, Kayla, you're on the air. Hi, thank you. Um, I wanted to know if it was true that Disney World or Disneyland um, released thousands of ladybugs in order to that they would they would be destroying mosquitoes. Is that is that true? And do they do that? I don't know. I never heard that. Okay, thank you. Sure. Thanks very much, Kaylee. Um, so Jeffrey, I, I'm just gonna go out on a limb here. We've had Vandana Shiva here before, and she has mentioned her viewpoint on the role that Bill Gates plays in the global use of GMOs. And I, I'm always been curious to get, if you have a take on that, what would that be? Well, he appears to be really ignorant of basic laws of science. Um, you know, when he releases, or when he was a CEO of Microsoft and he released some software, he would have bugs and he had to go and fix the bugs. And, the, and those bugs and the software would not necessarily play well with others. So when new software was introduced into the field, he'd have to upgrade and upgrade and fix it. Before he ever released it, it was tested with great detail under many, many different conditions, thousands of hours sometimes, and still, they found problems. Now, with genetic engineering, you're dealing with a system that is far more complex and evolving. They don't do nearly any of those tests. I mean, basically, as little as possible. 
to get their foods on the market as quickly as possible. I think we have a. We'll be on there. Yeah, I'm not quite sure. Do you want to hear? Gerald, yeah. Anyway, someone, someone needs to be muted. There we go. So, not only that, but when that organism starts interacting with others, like software in the same interaction with others, now you have genes interacting, genes transferring, possible mutation, and you can't call, recall it. You can't apply an upgrade, a 2.0 or 3.0, once you put it in the field. Genetic engineering is not rocket science. It is far more complicated. It's biology. And it's interesting that Bill Gates, who is aware of the need to test and upgrade software, ignores the fact that the biotech industry does nothing of the sort with genetically engineered crops and other organisms and can't even do it uh, to the extent that would be safe. He has funded uh, many African projects on genetic engineering. He's funded a um, group in Cornell that puts out uh, propaganda in favor of GMOs. Um, he has invested a lot of his money in Monsanto with a turn to bear. His director of his foundation uh, division on agriculture was a former VP of Monsanto at one point. I don't know if he still is, but he's been a uh, rejected. He's been literally hated by so many people in Africa who say he's trying to dictate terms with a technology that's very dangerous and inappropriate. So he's wreaking havoc, unfortunately, and what appears to be his well-meaning and misguided mission to use genetic engineering to feed the world. Thank you for, for speaking out on that. Um, I hope I am, we have another question coming in. I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Uh, oh, hang on. Is it Tahia? Uh, welcome. Thank you. Um, thank you. I can hear. Can you hear me? Yes. Hear okay. um, how safe is it to use colloidal silver uh, in a daily basis? Like prophylaxis? Colloidal silver? Mm -hmm. What's the question? Is it safe to use it every day? So colloidal silver is not my area. I have talked to the people who put out uh, sovereign silver and asked them a whole bunch of questions. And, uh, it, it, and I've mentioned it in, in uh, some of my talks or interviews uh, where it met my, my level. I, I presented their expertise. So what happens is I have a criteria. I feel like if a scientist is speaking outside of my area, but their knowledge is relevant to my audience, they have to pass certain hoops before I introduce them. And then it's up to them to make the claim. So I'm, I'm, uh, I've heard that it's fine to hear, but I'm not going to be the source on that. Thanks, Jeffrey. Appreciate that. Uh, we have another question coming in now from Sherry. Hi, Sherry. Welcome. Hi, can you hear me? Yes. Um, I have what you would call a micro farm in Delaware. Um, and it's just a uh, the open part that I haven't naturalized yet is about six and a half acres. Um, and the people around me farm conventionally, which includes 
glyphosate and commercial fertilizers, so on and so forth. And I'm just wondering if you have a feel for how far off the property line I can trust that the things I plant and grow using natural methods, which includes uh, collected horse manure from my neighbors, things like that, um, how much can I trust that they are in fact organic? Well, it's an interesting question. I don't know how far glyphosate spreads underground, but it does. Um, and I don't know about the water flow from the rain from farmers to you. The manure, um, if you put straight manure on, horses are fed um, GMO feed sometimes, um, grains like maybe corn and soy, sugar beet pulp, uh, oat, not oat, um, what is it, uh, canola seed, uh, cottonseed meal, uh, sometimes they, they graze on alfalfa, which could be genetically engineered. So there could have genetic engineered DNA in the, in the manure. So if you put it in compost first and you do it right, it should destroy all the DNA. Um, same thing with chicken manure, contains glyphosate typically, uh, unless it was raised organic. If the horses were raised organic, it should be fine. Um, <clears throat> when you use the word organic, Organic is a technical certification that's not based on testing. So it's. I think your question is, is it going to be safe? If you have an organic farm and you follow the organic requirements, they have particular buffer zones, etc. Then even if there is some contamination underground or from the rain, you can still call it organic, but it will probably be a very low level of contamination. There are some biological remedies to clean up the glyphosate that sticks around in the soil. I haven't made it available to public yet. I haven't done the interviews with the people who are doing the tests and whatnot, but I'm, I've reached out to them and that should be available soon. So if your farm had been sprayed with Roundup from a previous owner, then the longest recorded half-life of glyphosate residues under certain rare conditions was 22 years, uh, which means after 22 years, only half the glyphosate is degraded. But usually it's many months or a few years for the, for the half-life to occur. Um, but I, I don't know if there's been any tests about flow of glyphosate from one farm to another in terms of how far. It's a great question. I wish I knew more. Thanks very much, Jeffrey. Uh, we have another question coming in now from Sharon. Let's go back to Sharon. Hi, Sharon. Hi. I personally know that the lawsuit against Monsanto was successful, but I don't understand why it's still on the shelves and why farmers are still using it. Can you explain that? <clears throat> the biotech industry, Monsanto Bayer in particular, have captured regulatory agencies all over the world. And they, in 2015, when the World Health Organization, their cancer committee determined that glyphosate causes cancer or probably human carcinogen in humans and definite cancer causer in animals. Um, they, Monsanto had been told in advance about that committee's review of glyphosate by their, their lapdog in the EPA, Jess Rowland. 
and then they documents made public from the lawsuit showed that they had mounted a huge campaign to discredit the WHO. And they then bolstered their support in the EPA, which opposed and came up with an opposite conclusion using unscientific, nonsensical science to say that glyphosate doesn't cause cancer. And they have their own captured regulatory agencies around the world where um, it's basically Monsanto people who made the determination or groups that if they reverse themselves now, they'll have a lot of egg on their face and more so they may be liable for wrong decisions made in the past. So while the World Health Organization said one thing, these regulatory agencies owned and, owned and operated by Monsanto say other things. In the courtroom, however, they couldn't censor the cross-examination of real experts. The experts that Monsanto Bear brought in, they were not experts at, in the areas needed for human health from glyphosate. The ones who were really the experts, the world experts were there speaking the truth. And the juries were absolutely convinced that glyphosate supported the cancer of the plaintiffs. And they awarded him compensatory damages. <clears throat> but they also were aware that Monsanto had spent decades lying to the public, hiding evidence, rigging research, and ignoring serious health issues among their own employees and their customers. So the juries were furious and awarded huge punitive damages, as much as $2 billion in one of the lawsuits, although that was reduced by the judge. The several of the big box stores have in fact pulled glyphosate-based herbicides, and that's mostly been through um, customers or the general public um, asking them to. So if you get a petition uh, for asking a big box store to get rid of it, please sign it. If you're in a store and you see it being sold, tell them it should be taken off the shelves. And uh, Bayer has now said that in 2023, they are planning, perhaps likely, to remove Roundup from consumer garden use in the United States because of the lawsuits, but not from the commercial division. <music>